Spirit Radio Podcasts. We're delighted because tonight we talk about the importance of the gift of the Bible and how God uses the word to search out his lost sheep and those in an abusive relationship can be restored. And joining me tonight is uh, author of her book, One Woman's Journey in Search of the Unknown God, Deborah Armin, who joins me on the line. Deborah, can you hear me? Yes, absolutely. I can hear you. Brilliant stuff. Brilliant. So, Deborah, thank you so much for for, for joining me tonight. It's uh, uh, at short notice as well, so it's a, it's a pleasure to have you here. And yeah, that... no, it's a pleasure to be here. Let me just make sure we get the title of the book right. It's On My Way Home, One Woman's Journey in Search of the Unknown God. So it's double-barreled title, just not to confuse people. That's, that's the book. I think I was... Did I read the uh, subtitle there? You did, you did. And I have to say, I mean, just looking at the bio of the book, it looks in a fascinating read. And uh, we'll just uh, talk more about that a little bit later on. And I also yeah. want to talk about um, uh, just uh, something about your own personal journey from uh, breaking the, uh, God's love, breaking the power of abuse, uh, the importance of spiritual warfare. We'll want to talk about that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the importance of the gift of Bible can be in restoring relationships. So, uh, Deborah, we've got so much to talk about this evening. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. I want to find out as well, because you grew up in South Africa and Kuwait before moving to England as a teenager. Yeah. And uh, we'd love to hear uh, more on what life was like for you growing up. Spirit. And joining me on the line, uh, Deborah uh, Armin, uh, who grew up in South Africa and Kuwait before returning to England as a teenager. And uh, Deborah uh, is still with me on the line, all going well. Yes, I'm still here. Uh, that's good, Deborah. Now, Deborah, I have to say, just looking at the bio on your book, uh, On My Way Home, got it right that time. Yeah. Uh, I see uh, you had quite a mixed up childhood from abusive relationships, uh, even uh, like, uh, confused spirituality as well. Uh, yet you were spiritually aware, uh, mainly down, from what I can see, a children's Bible growing up. Uh, tell us something about uh, your childhood growing up in South Africa and Kuwait. And, and Okay, uh, so yeah. in South Africa, my, my parents obviously took me there. I was very young when we went there. I'd just turned five and um, exposed to a few things over there. One of the things that I think had an impact on me, I might not have known it then, but I, looking back, I can see it. My mother sent me to a Sunday school. Um, I didn't go very often. I think I maybe went once, twice, Maybe maybe three times, um, the main motive was she wanted to have a bit of peace and quiet, so it was a great place to send me. Um, and that was South Africa. Um, there was apartheid was happening at the time, and that's why my parents decided to leave. There was too much tension in the air, and we ended up moving to the Middle East. Now, in the Middle East, I was exposed to... Um, in Kuwait specifically, I was exposed to mosques, um, hearing the call to prayer. I was drawn to the mosque. I knew something significant was happening. I was only about eight at the time that it really started impacting me. And um, I wanted to go in, and yet I didn't want to go in, you know. And then a relative sent me a picture Bible, uh, one of the big ones, the children's ones, and unfortunately, my parents, when they used to go out to the neighbours to drink, would, because it was a big expat community that we lived in, in a big block of flats or apartments, as they were called, 
and they would lock me in to the apartment on my own. Wow. And um, no babysitter or anything. And when I got fearful, I don't know why, but I instinctively knew to have a look at the Bible. So I would start to read bits and pieces of it and flick through it. And on one particular occasion when I was in what the, the front bedroom, the front bedroom had a balcony that overlooked the sea and all this kind of thing. And I already had a sense of spiritual things. So I was aware of things as a young child. I would see things. My sister said I would see shadows and things like that. I would point them out to her and she wouldn't see it. Um, so when I got frightened, look at the Bible in Q8. And on this one occasion, I got to the part where they crucified the Lord. Um, and as I said, I'm, I'm not being brought up with a Christian faith, but I started crying, and I distinctly remember saying, what have we done? Wow. And, and then I saw a very, very faint image of what I now know is the Lord stood in front of me, looking at me, but it was very, very faint. Um, and at the same time, during that period, I was having situations where the enemy was talking to me and he was threatening to kill me. Um, he said, I will get you. Um, so, yeah, that was an awakening at that age, uh, Richie. You know, wow. things were starting to happen. Wow, I mean, that's actually fascinating just how you had... Uh a little awareness from your childhood. Which well, I think kind of... children do. I think children... But it's interesting you said it was kind of unique to you because you said your sister didn't seem to have the same kind of awareness. Yeah. Is... Well, the thing is, I, I'm the youngest of three, okay. and I, my brother went off to naval school, so he wasn't with us. He left South Africa early. And then once we got to Kuwait, my sister, who is six years older than me, was shipped off to boarding school. There was no explanation to me. I didn't know what was happening. Yeah. I didn't really understand. And that in itself was somewhat abusive because my parents would sometimes, you know, they, they'd just say, oh, well, you know, you've got to behave yourself, mm -hmm. you know, otherwise we'll get rid of you as well, that type of thing. It wasn't said very often, but it was enough that it sticks in a child's mind yeah. and it creates fear. So I wouldn't have known about my sister's spiritual experiences because we weren't living together. Gotcha. Yeah. So um, you, you kind of grew up in this kind of a situation of, uh, I guess, was that like a verbal abuse or, or, or um, certainly um, kind of being forgotten and just being left on your own. Uh, yeah, isolated. I think, yeah, that, I mean, being left, if you look at it, if people were to do it nowadays, they'd be in a a heap of trouble to leave a 8, 10, 11 year old alone in an apartment while you went off drinking is not something that you would do. You wouldn't do that today. I mean, you wait much longer before you leave children on their own. And that's very fear based. It gives a child a lot of fear, yeah. you know. So, um, yeah. So, and um, then, yeah. yeah, sorry, go yeah, ahead. You carry on, yeah. So then, in terms of abuse, my my dad was. I love him, don't get me wrong, I've forgiven him, so I need to let the listeners know that, yeah. that I have come through to the other side. I've completely forgiven my parents of everything. Um, but my both parents could be a bit critical. Um, threats, hidden threats. Then my dad was physically abusive in terms of um, inappropriate behaviour sexually. There were some things that were very inappropriate. 
and the neighbour's son was sexually inappropriate, as was my dad's friend from work, who was one of the pilots. So there was all these things. It was the 70s, and it was, you know, Mm. it was a very, in, in many people's eyes, it was a very free time. And I'm taller than average. I currently stand at six foot one. So as a child, even though I was very young, I always looked older. And a lot of the Arabic men were very attracted to me as well because here was this blonde child in comparison to being surrounded by primarily ladies that were dark-haired, so I was unique. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? That yeah. caused. I mean, I nearly got kidnapped on more than one occasion. Wow. So, um, I men expose themselves to me. Oh when gosh, we I mean that's. Situation. I mean that is just in itself. That is just so. Uh, I just can't imagine uh, what that must be like. Uh, and uh, um, yeah, I mean. Uh, well, you know, it's frightening if you're walking absolutely. up. The, if you're walking up a, a, a staircase and you're going to see one of your friends, you're innocent. You're a child. You're not. What you're not really thinking. What is this man behind me doing? Mm-hmm. And. Um, it would be one of the Arabs that would have come into the compound and he was trying to get me back down the stairs. And he was basically exposing himself to me, you know, trying to entice me and then sort of trying to grab me. But I ran quicker, fortunately, and I ran to the neighbor's house in that particular um, tower of flats and they took me in so what effects did all this have on you growing up uh kind of what kind of uh, uh feelings did you and how did um because i mean your book kind of talks about this like how god's love broke that 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 cycle of abuse um but what's first what effects did it have growing up what you the the overall message is that in order to be loved you have to be sexy sexual mm-hmm is a combination of things because you're getting messages from men and obviously I can only speak as a woman as a young girl uh, and as a very young girl at that time you start to believe that your only attractiveness is your sexuality and men that's what men want that so it, it it's very skewed you don't grow up valuing yourself as much um so yeah it, it's that's that's where it begins and then the exposure to pornography at a very young age because the neighbor's son introduced me to it. Um, he was older than me. And um, so, again, it compounds it. it. It says to the young girl, men are only interested in you for sex. You are a sexual object. And if you're not sexy, you're not going to be attractive. You're not going to be loved and you're not going to be wanted. Mm. So your your sense of self-worth goes down. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's. I guess that's is really, really one of the big issues is the whole area of suicide, and actually because of uh, self uh, lack of self worth, lack of self esteem, and mm-hmm. it's like, what is the point? Um, but actually, God's love clearly broke that cycle. And I, oh, I mean, absolutely. I mean, we would have to jump way forward to when I was living in Florida after my divorce. Um, I was in a relationship with somebody who was saying they were a Christian, but their behavior, their fruit of their life was clearly not quite. I was not yet a Christian. I was um, starting to go to church. I had done all sorts of other spiritualities, which we can come back to. Mm-hmm. But I had heard from whom I believe was the Lord calling me to church. 
So I started going to church, met this chap in my massage business who happened to go to the same church. He was saying he was a Christian. He was then taking me to places that I shouldn't have been. In other words, he was introducing me to pornography. He was wanting. He slept with me. He wanted. To, he moved in with me temporarily. He took me to a psychic astrologer. He said that I needed fixing. I mean, it was a complete mind bender. Yeah. Complete mind bender. And um, the the culmination was he tried to strangle me when I exposed him because I found out he was dating a transvestite escort or he was paying for a transvestite escort. It's a very long story. That's why I've ended up writing a book. But yeah. that during that day, he ended up attacking me, trying to strangle me, then threatening me with his gun and later on stalking me and um, putting poisonous creatures in my by my apartment or on the apartment door, such as a black widow, all these kinds of things. And I knew, I knew it was him, and it was a full-on spiritual war. I became suicidal as a result. Hope was stripped away from me. This man completely destroyed my sense of self-worth. I was so confused, I didn't know whether I was coming or going. How could this Christian man treat me in this manner? You know, because I was naive, I wasn't yet born again, I hadn't walked out the Christian walk. And so many women, and men, and men, suffer with abuse, Yeah. and they get sidelined by people who say they're one thing, and they're not. And that's yeah. why we need to always look at the fruit of a person. Really look at the fruit of the person. What are they doing? Are their words matching up with their lifestyle? Yeah. And... Um, it was during that period that I cried out to the Lord. I was very, 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 very sure that I was going to kill myself. I didn't want to be here anymore. I was very confused, no hope. And I know what it's like. You're at the bottom of a black hole. You can't see your way out. Nothing makes any sense. Um, you start to withdraw. Um, he had already started to isolate me from people, and I thought it was love. I thought he was protecting me from certain characters, certain people in my life. Um, but actually, that's not. It's a classic narcissistic trait. They start to mess with your head yeah. to think so that you doubt yourself. They say one thing, they do another. Then they tell you you've said something else, and they control things. They control who you see, who you don't see, where you are, what you do. And it's a very slow progression, but it's, it is a progression into controlling you more and more and more and more, and in this case, also spiritually controlling me. So I looked up to him, you see, because he'd been a Christian his whole life. Yeah. And I was be I was interested in now in Christianity. It opened myself up to it, and, and what you know, this it, man it, must know. And what it, he's it didn't about. put you off Christianity, because I mean, I was for so many people that kind of experience of actually meeting somebody like that who says they're a Christian, and would so easily be like, I don't want anything to do with God. I don't want anything to do with this Jesus, because of that's what I saw. Yeah, well, no, I'm, unfortunately, the day that I cried out to the Lord when I was suicidal, he and I had broken up. I had broken up with him, and I just said, "If you, I, I really meant it. I had a soul scream that came so from so deep within, yeah. and I just said, Lord, if you're really real, you need to show up because I am very serious. I'm going to end it today. I don't want to be here anymore. This is too messed up. Life is not... You know, it's just not rosy, and I want it to be, basically, is what I was saying. And the whole room filled up with this atmosphere. 
And, the, and to me, I thought it was clouds or something because I thought where I'd been crying, I thought maybe I couldn't see properly. And in my heart, not out loud, but in my heart, I heard a voice say, come to me. I am real. I'm here. I've been waiting for you. I've never left you. I've always been with you. And so I ended up on my knees in my living room and then I ended up face down. Uh, I don't quite remember how, but I did. And I could feel his presence above me. Wow. And uh, waves and waves of liquid, how I described it was liquid love flowing through my body. And he just said, I love you. I have waited for you. And, you know, I don't even know how long it went on for. But when I got up, depression had gone. uh, Suicidal thoughts had left me. And then I slept, went straight to bed, slept and um lots of things happened thereafter and that was october 2000 wow. so coming up this october it'll be 18 years wow wow i mean that's just like really moving just to just to hear you say that and i know we've heard so many stories actually on spirit radio just how people have just been stopped in the tracks from mm. suicide and from those thoughts and because uh, it's real i mean and maybe there's somebody right now you just need to hear that and to be real and cry out to God say God and Deborah like, God will answer mm. um, he, this is something that people also need to to realise is that he reaches people in where they are and he reaches yeah. people differently I have yeah. obviously always been a very spiritually aware person I've had countless spiritual encounters i know that the spirit realm is real as real as we are right in front of you right now your microphone is real my phone is real it is real the enemy is very hell-bent on destroying people he doesn't want you to come to christ he doesn't want you to know the truth the lord said i am the truth the way you know he's the only way back to heaven to the father and um it's just it's just a very real realm. So he met me how I obviously would understand. You know, I I could feel his presence was intense. I mean, it was... Re- In fact, I was too afraid to lift my head up because I just had this sensation he was right above me and I, I didn't dare look. I was too afraid. Yeah. Um, but that, that, you know, each person has a different encounter and, and don't discount yourself if your encounter is not like mine. Yeah. And some people have approached me and said, you know, I've been a Christian my whole life and I've never had anything like that. Well, actually, don't judge yourself based on my experience. Thank the Lord that you've never had to go through what I've Amen. gone through in order to have that experience. Amen. You know, because my life has been, has consisted, um, not so much now, things have changed quite a lot, but... I thrived on adventure, and I was very daring. I've jumped out of planes. I've I've been wow. on motorbikes at 110 miles wow. an hour. I'm a I'm an adventure seeker and a truth seeker. That's what I used to call myself. Yeah. So people mustn't feel less than just because their experience is is different than mine. Yeah, absolutely. We're all on a journey, and our journey is different. It's not the same as somebody else. Absolutely. And that's something we have to remember. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Now, um, Deborah, I would love to come back to the whole kind of area of spiritual warfare, and particularly yeah. how how one fights for yourself and how you fight for others, because uh, looking at your, your book, it just seems to speak into that. This is a Spirit Radio podcast. 
Jon Spirit Radio. My name is Richie G. And uh, with me is Deborah, talking to Deborah uh, Almin, who author of On My Way Home, and talking about her experience and her journey in search of the unknown God. Her book is called On My Way Home. And uh, we've been talking to Deborah about her life, her experiences of actually... Um, uh, really finding faith, but more than that, uh, and just through kind of such a, a kind of mixed up world of spirituality, finding faith in uh, uh, being aware of spirituality from a very early age, and finding uh, we're all finding faith in uh, reading a children's Bible growing up. Which uh, Deborah, I just love that, just how the importance of uh, the Bible in anyone's life is so so important. Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, had my relative, whom unfortunately, as I said, we couldn't remember who it was that gave it to me, uh, it was very significant. It was my introduction to Scripture. I had an encounter with the Lord when I was reading it at a young age, when I was locked in, as I said earlier on in the show. And I think it's absolutely vital that anybody wishing to know the Lord, to walk with the Lord, you must have a Bible. Get a translation that you can relate to. Um, Some people believe that the King James Version is the only one. I'm not one of those people. (laughs) I think read a Bible that you can understand. By all means, have several different versions if you would like to, so that you can really grasp a verse. But it's absolutely vital that people read it for themselves. Because that way you're not going to be deceived by anybody. You're not going to be tossed around by the wind and the waves. Absolutely. You're going to understand Scripture. You will have a relationship with the Lord. And um, you'll get to know him through his word. I mean, that's one very yeah. key thing that I can yeah. say to people. Now, is- Deborah, we're, we really are really pushed for time because we're heading towards the news. And I want us to get into and talk about... Because uh, we want to talk about, we want to finish with how the Bible restores relationships and the gift of giving a Bible is so key. But I really wanted to share something about the importance of spiritual warfare, fighting for yourself, particularly because you kind of grew up in such a mixed up spirituality, involved in New Age spiritual seeking. Uh, and I just wonder, what would you say to somebody? How how do we fight? How do you fight? How do we fight for ourselves? How do we fight for others? And what would you say to uh, somebody who's maybe uh, kind of into New Age or spiritual seeking, uh, uh, spiritual seeker, uh, but kind of missing out Jesus? Give Jesus a chance. That's first and foremost. If you're a spiritual seeker, give him a chance. I was a spiritual seeker. I was a Reiki master. I taught guided meditation. I rejected the Lord. I wasn't interested. I didn't like Christians. I thought they were boring. (laughs) Then something opened up in my spirit, and I said, you know what, I'm going to give it a shot, I'm going to give it a go, and my goodness, it's transformed my life. He is the light. He is the only true God. He is the way. Once you meet him, you don't look back. In terms of spiritual warfare, um, there is a spirit realm. Spiritual seekers know that. They, They know that anyway. I don't need to teach them that. People that Um, have never dabbled in that or dealt with that are not always aware of it they don't believe it it is real it does exist when you know your authority in christ when you know the authority that dwells in you at the name of jesus everything must flee and everything bows. there is power in the name of jesus if you are dealing with anything in life that it was that is not so great troublesome Whatever the case may be, you take your authority as a born-again believer in Christ, meaning you've accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, you stand in his authority, his spirit dwells in you, and you use the name of Jesus to cast out things. I'm not talking exorcisms, I'm just saying you take your authority, you stand firm, 
and you say simply, you say, in the name of Jesus, financial dire straits, I cast you out and I command you to leave right now in Jesus' name. Or sickness, I command you to leave right now in Jesus' name. Just take the authority. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think so often we, we don't appreciate um, that there is a spiritual world out there and there is an enemy. And you said that right at the beginning of the hour, uh, kind of the enemy uh, wanted to kind of get rid of you. Um, That's right. He wants you. to kill, yeah. steal and to destroy. Absolutely. And, and he knows. Don't forget, he knows the plans that God has for you. And if he sees that there's potential for you to win other people to the Lord, he will come for you. It's a real thing. I don't know why people don't grasp it, but I, I just want to encourage people to recognize that it is a real situation, not to make a big deal out of it. Don't focus on it. Focus on the authority of Christ. That's where you, you need to dwell, not on, in fear, not in fear of the enemy, not in fear of the darkness, because the darkness flees when the light comes, and the light is the Lord. So, yeah. Actually, that's uh, one of the scriptures in our word for the day. I think it's either tomorrow or the following day. So, uh, brilliant. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, yeah, no, I mean, it's it's so true. It's like fighting for others. I mean, I guess maybe if if you know somebody that's maybe going through it right now or uh, not walking with Jesus, doesn't really know what it means and. I guess sometimes we need to fight for others as well and actually pray and as you mentioned uh, in your in your book about the, the importance of the gift of Bible in restoring relationships. I guess that really is an act of spiritual warfare, is it not? Well, yeah, because you're giving somebody truth. You're handing them um, a guidebook to truth. You know, when people read the Bible and you recognize your authority and who, who the Lord is and, and the power of his name and the power of the cross, what he's done at the cross is final. He has the victory. In Revelations, he has the victory. It is a done deal. When we grasp hold of that victory, when somebody reads the Bible, it's like, it's like food for the soul. You know, people are quite happy to buy all these other books and all these self-help books, and, and there are many, many big megachurches that sell lots of different kinds of books. But when it comes down to it, you need to read the Bible because you need to understand Scripture. You need to get it in. It, you need to feed yourself with it. And, um, you know, had my, it was either my aunt or my nan, we, like I said, we don't remember who it was, but I never would have had that first encounter had I not that, had that children's Bible. You need to teach your children in the way that they should go, and it's the same with an adult. If you're a child in the faith, get your Bible, find one that you can get on with, read it, feed your soul. Don't just take it for granted that the person up at the pulpit knows what they're talking about. There are hundreds of thousands of great preachers, so I'm not putting them down. But you need to know it for yourself. Don't just take it for granted that they're going to teach you in the way that you should go. You have to you have to read it for yourself. It's powerful. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and it really does restore relationships. And I know you've seen relationships restored through just that simple gift of giving a Bible. Absolutely. And when I led my father to the Lord, after I restored our relationship... Um, I had an encounter with him and the Holy Spirit in my kitchen when I'd come back to England, and I led my father to the Lord, and I then gave him the gift of a Bible. I gave him a study Bible, and he has since gone on to get other Bibles, and he prays for the family every single day. He sends me a text message every morning and every night to pray for me. So that's restoration right there. That's beautiful. 
That's beautiful. Yeah, it was amazing. It's a yeah. complete turnaround, you yeah. know. Just so. don't underestimate giving a Bible. It's just, that's just bring. yeah, it's bringing tear to my eyes. I'm just thinking, actually, maybe that's something I should do. Absolutely. I've given away Bibles. People yeah, just, I, I always pray for more. divine appointments. I say, Lord, yeah. thank you for a divine more. appointment and supernatural encounter today. Take my life and use me, Lord. Yeah. You know, use me to glorify yourself. And how many times I've had situations where I have just seen somebody in the public, I've bumped into somebody, I've had a conversation. I've always got a Bible in my car. I've got several copies in my house. And I've ended up giving them away. I'm not attached to my Bibles. I love all my notes in them and everything. But I will say to that person, or I will specifically go and buy them a brand new one. And I pray before I give it to them. Um, one of my ex-police colleagues, because I've also been a police officer. Wow. I went and bought him um, a message Bible that I knew that he would be able to relate to. You know, so, yeah, Absolutely. The oh. gift of a Bible, very important. It's scripture, it's living word. Absolutely, yeah. And you just don't underestimate what the power of God's word can do in somebody's lives. Uh, That's because, right, absolutely. Uh, because it is an act of spiritual warfare. And prayer as well is so key as well. Pra- prayer, so prayer, important. prayer. You can't live without prayer. Very key, very key. Indeed. So actually, we're, we're really heading to the news about one minute uh, and a half to go before we head to the network news at yeah. 10 o'clock. Uh, Deborah, it's been brilliant uh, just to have you on uh, the show tonight. And uh, uh, where could people get hold of your, your book? Uh, tell us a little bit more about your book, uh, where uh, it's available, I'm sure, in local Christian bookshops here in Ireland. Um, Absolutely. But can people all follow you? All they you? need can... to do, first and foremost, a lot of people use electronics. You can Google my name. It's Deborah with an H. So it's D-E-B-O-R-A-H. Oh, is, it, is that how you pronounce Deborah, not Deborah? No, no, no. You can say Deborah, but I'm spelling it. Oh, okay. So, so. I'm saying oh, it's Deborah Armin. Um, that's quite significant because my dad told me about my name when I was younger. It's a longer story. I'm not going to tell you now. But I'm all over the internet, so you can just Google me. I was published by Authentic Media. Yeah, we have to bigger shout out to Charlie. Charlie, Yeah. So it's very easy. Just Google me. I'm on all sorts. Eden, which is a Christian website. My publisher, Authentic, have their book, my book on their site. Uh, People can get it that way. Or ask their bookshop to order it. Yeah. Well, yeah, Deborah, absolutely. And uh, local Christian bookshop in your town. Well, Deborah, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for listening to our Spirit Radio podcast. Don't miss out. Subscribe today. Find out how at spiritradio.ie.